Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Well, this morning we're going to look at the prophet Jonah, so please take the Bible and go to the book of Jonah. You might also pull the message outline out of your bulletin. You can follow along, maybe jot a few notes as we go along. The book of Jonah is about the will of God and how to respond to it. It's about the grace and mercy of God and how to share it. And here's the key concept this morning. Here it is. Stay tuned in and be responsive to God's guidance. Don't ignore, rebel against, or snooze through God's promptings. As I was praying and preparing for this morning, I got to thinking, God, what what is the one thing, the one thing from Jonah that you want us to take away? And it came down to this, that each of us at the end of this worship time would leave with a resolve and be able to say, I will rapidly respond to God's promptings no matter what. So we're going to dive into the story of Jonah, and I'm assuming most of you know this story to one degree or another. The first challenge, of course, is just to be able to locate the book in your Bible. I'll give you a little clue, just a little clue this morning. It's right after the book of Obadiah. So if that's any help to you. I want to look at Jonah and I want us to see three key principles from Jonah's life on why it's important to be rapid responders to God's promptings and how to live that way. Now, this story takes place about 760 years before the birth of Christ. We're going to to start at the very beginning. Chapter 1, verse 1. Here's what it says. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. So the first truth we're going to flag in Jonah is simply this. I will be alert to God's promptings. I will be alert. Now let me give you a definition for that term prompting so that we're all reading off the same page. What is a prompting? Well, a prompting is an inner urging or an inner conviction to do or say something that can only be attributed to the Holy Spirit in your life. Okay? You don't have to be a super saint to receive a prompting. You don't have to be a Christ follower for a certain period of time before you receive a prompting from God. If you have a relationship 
with Jesus Christ, if He's the leader and forgiver of your life, you can receive leadings from God because of His presence in you. Because He has placed His His Holy Spirit inside you to guide you, to comfort you, to bring conviction where it's needed. But sometimes, sometimes we we tend to minimize promptings. We think, oh, you, you know, there's no way God could be speaking to me, to little old me. Whatever it is that I'm thinking or feeling has to be the result of too much caffeine. Or you know, maybe some bad mushrooms on that pizza last night. I love how the great theologian Lily Tomlin puts it. She said, why is it that when we speak to God, we're said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we're, we're schizophrenic. And when I heard the story of Jonah through the years, and I thought about his dilemma, I simply thought, Jonah, he's just this timid guy. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He doesn't want to preach to anybody. He's just hesitant. He's, he's timid. He's reluctant. But when you look at a map, you see exactly you know, what it was that, that Jonah was dealing with. You see where Jerusalem was on the map, and you look at where Nineveh approximately was situated. You're talking about 550 miles. So if a person packed his bags and started hiking that distance, it would have taken over 30 days. Now if you put it in terms of today's geography, uh, the map of today, Nineveh was about 150 miles northwest of Baghdad. And I did some research into Nineveh, and I came away with, with a little better understanding of maybe, maybe why Jonah did not want to go there. Nineveh was a very important, very powerful, very large city. It had a wall that surrounded it. It was uh, 50 feet wide by 100 feet high. And it stretched around in an eight-mile circumference around the city of Nineveh. An imposing sight. Intimidating, to say the least. The population of Nineveh was about 120,000 people living within the walls, with another 600,000, by some estimates, living in the sprawling suburbs outside of it. The Ninevites were Assyrians, and they were especially known for their cruelty. They were an arch enemy of Israel. Now there are writings from kings of that period describing in graphic detail some horrific, terrible acts. That's why God was so upset with Nineveh. One of the kings of Nineveh boasted about his conquest. Here's what he said. The heads of the warriors I cut off. I formed them into a pillar against their city. And he said this about another captured leader. I flayed him. His skin I spread upon the wall of this city. Literally skinned him alive. Another leader of Assyria wrote this about a captured prisoner. I pierced his chin with my keen dagger. Through his jaw I passed a rope. I put a dog chain upon him and made him occupy a kennel. And God says, Jonah... Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. And I got to thinking about it. You put it in today's terms of some modern history, that would be like asking a a Jew to go into an SS camp in Nazi Germany and tell them that what they're doing is wrong. 
Well, Jonah knew. Jonah knew it was from God. There was no getting around it. This was a prompting. This, this was a calling from God. And the question I hear uh, quite a bit is this. How, how can I know, how can I know whether or not a prompting I'm receiving is really from God? That's a good question. Now let me give you three quick guidelines. Are you ready? First of all, make sure that your prompting is in agreement with the overall teaching of Scripture. I mean, anybody can pick a, a verse or two out of context and twist it around and start a cult. So you weigh it and test it. You put it in the balance of Scripture. That's why it's so important for you to spend regular time in God's Word and build it into your life so that it becomes you know, the framework for your thinking, for your responding. And then second, here, here's a question you can ask. Does the prompting you're receiving agree with the nature and character of God as revealed to us in, in the Word of God? And then thirdly, another question, does it agree with your conscience? And remember, sometimes the promptings that you receive from God can be a more demanding path. You know, maybe it leaves you wondering, oh my goodness, how in the world could I do this? But don't shy away from it. If it passes these three criteria, then you're probably in sync with God's will. And you're on the right track. But it's real easy to, you know, to ask yourself, is it possible that, that maybe, just maybe I'm mistaken about what God's prompting is? Could I possibly have missed or misread God's signal? Well, sure it is. No one is infallible. And when it comes to hearing from God, you could be wrong. And the prompting is not really from Him. But I think more often, too often, we dismiss promptings from God because we can't be sure. And my guess is that's more often the case. We, we fail to acknowledge genuine promptings and we don't act on them. And so if it fits these three criteria, then number two... Number two, I will rapidly respond to God's promptings with confidence and obedience. When you sense a prompting from God, don't minimize, don't rationalize, don't compromise. Well, Jonah, Jonah gets this unmistakable call from God, and he's thinking, if I end up going to Nineveh, I'll be preaching to them, and they'll repent, and God will relent. And they don't need gentleness. What they need is a good dose of judgment. Many Bible scholars believe Jonah had a streak of prejudice and racism. And he was selfishly thinking that he was better than the Ninevites. He had a pride because he had been chosen by God. and That gave him special status and privilege and, and made him better than any of the Gentiles, really. But in reality... What God was doing with Jonah, he was trying to show Jonah that, that Gentiles mattered to him. That all people matter to him. And the Jews were, be, were to be an instrument to reach the Gentiles. The, the book of Isaiah, in a couple of places, says that they, the Jews, were to be a light to the Gentiles. But for Jonah, he hated it. He hated the thought of that. He hated Nineveh. And he did not want to go there. And so if you look at verse 3, chapter 1, look at what he does. 
Plain and simple, it says Jonah ran away from the Lord. He headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa. He found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, went aboard. He sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now again, if you look at a map, Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh. Where did he end up? 2,500 miles another direction. He's thinking, what is the, the farthest port I can go to? And it was. It was one of the farthest known ports you could get to. And he had it in his mind even before he went down there to Joppa. I just picture Jonah going down to the port. He's talking to some of the the sailors of the vessels. And he's saying, hey, where are you going? Oh, we're going up the coast to Tyre. Why do you want to know? Oh, never mind. Never mind. Hey, where are you going? Oh, we're going over to to Sidon. Why do you ask? Never mind. Never mind. Hey, where are you going? We're going to Tarshish. Why? Is that your final answer? And can you take on one more? Jonah takes off, and he's thinking, God is not concerned about me personally. He just wants somebody who's going to go. He'll get another prophet. And what's the worst thing that could happen by me running away? A little did he know. I'm going to hit pause here for a moment. Let me just hit the the pause button for a minute. How many of us have rationalized like that in our own hearts? Thinking, I know what God wants me to do. I know what it is, but I'm not going to do it. Besides, what's the worst thing that could possibly happen? I mean, where where have you been thinking and sensing that, that perhaps God has been prompting you, maybe through reading the Bible, maybe through a sermon, maybe it's just an inner urging during a prayer time. But is there some area in your life where you've been pulling a Jonah, where you're supposed to be heading one way and you've chosen to go exactly the opposite, or, or you're just you know, chosen to stand pat and say, I'm not going, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not moving. You're just passively defiant with God. Is there somebody perhaps you need to be extending forgiveness to? But, but again, you just sort of crossed your arms and said, I'm not going to do it. Maybe it's with your wife or husband or with a child or with a parent or with a friend. You know, may, maybe there's a relationship that, that you're involved in sexually or you've been mentally playing around with it in your mind and you have no business messing with it. But still you continue. Are there reports at work or presentations that you're making where inside you know, you know that, that you're exaggerating, you're, you're stretching the truth and it has to stop, but you haven't. Or you know somebody who's hurting and you, you know you, you should be reaching out to them. But you've been putting it off. You've been avoiding it. You know, maybe there's a neighbor or a family member or a coworker that, that you know you should be praying for and concerned about helping them take the next step in their spiritual journey. You know you should be sharing your testimony, sharing your faith with them. Perhaps it's as simple as just having coffee with them or having lunch together or going to a, a ball game, building a bridge of, of relationship or inviting them to a service or event here at the church. But you've been putting it off. Whatever it is, whatever it is, as we continue this morning, just jot it down 
on that answer. Just write it down. Don't beat yourself up over it. Don't keep whipping yourself because of it. Just resolve in your heart and mind that it's going to change. And you're going to begin to rapidly respond to to God's promptings and what He's asking you to do. We're just over halfway through 2019. And if we make a commitment to be rapid responders to God's promptings, I believe at the end of this, this year, as we look back, we'll be amazed at the opportunities God gives to each of us to be a link in somebody's spiritual journey. But we have to be alert to those promptings. We have to respond rapidly to them. And it's not only, not only about sharing your faith, it's going to be in areas like growing in integrity, you know, doing the right thing at work, doing the right thing in relationships. You know, maybe there, there's going to be healing where, where things begin to mend between you and somebody else. And when that happens, your walk with Jesus becomes more intimate. And there's a far greater awareness of the power of the Spirit within you. But that's going to mean for many of us that we come to grips with the third key from Jonah. And that is, I will remember I serve the God of the second chance. The Lord of the second chance. God is like like a father. Just picture a father teaching his toddler, you know, how to walk, you know, how to get back, how to take those first few steps. And, and the, the, the little person, you know, stumbles and falls. And the father says, you are so clumsy. Aren't you ever going to be able to take a few steps? Don't you have any sense of balance? Are you ever going to be able to learn how to walk? No, father doesn't do that, does he? No, he picks the little person. It's okay. You can do this. You can do this. You're going to walk in no time. Just keep on going. Just keep on going. I mean, what do you do if you miss a prompting? If you've blown it so many times that you just say, there is no way that, that God could still use me. No way. I've wasted all my chances. I, I've outspent His grace. Well, here's some good news. God's dealings with Jonah and God's dealings with Nineveh reveal that God can be trusted to, to pick us up, to get us back on our feet, to encourage us if we let Him. And Jonah's on this boat and he's headed the opposite direction. And the sailors, in order to try to save the ship, they're throwing stuff overboard. The wind is blowing. The, the waves are crashing. The ship is being tossed you know, violently back and forth. And finally they figure somebody's got to be to blame for this or the sea gods wouldn't be so upset. They're heathen. And so that, that's what they're thinking. And so they try to figure out who it is. And they go through this process, kind of like drawing straws, and Jonah gets the, the short straw. And so he fesses up to them that he's running from the God who made the seas and all they've got to do is throw him overboard and the seas will calm down. Do you see that? Verse 12 of chapter 1. Well, they, they don't want to do that. They don't want to throw somebody overboard. So, so they try to, to throw out more stuff. It doesn't work. So eventually I, I picture the waves coming over the ship and, and the wind is just 
fiercely blowing, and the sailors are yelling to each other, get Jonah, grab that dude, let's get rid of him. And three or four of them pick up Jonah, they carry him over to the edge, and they give him the heave hole. Over the side he goes and splashes into the water. Verse 15, and the wind and the waves stop. It's quiet. Everything stops. And it was so immediate that they all knew the problem had to have been Jonah. And they're heathen, but even they know something supernatural is going on. And Jonah's in the water. He's sinking deeper and deeper and deeper. And he starts to lose consciousness. And as he's going down, he feels something starting to envelop him. And he feels himself sliding through some tight, wet, smelly, slippery tube for a couple of seconds and lands in the stomach of a very huge fish. Now think about it. Stomach juices sloshing around in the dark. You're gasping for air, just trying to take a breath. You know, I, I went to college in Minnesota, lived there for four years, and Minnesotans have a great expression for this. It's just a, a three-letter word. Here it is. Ish. Ish. It was ishy. Now, do you know what else was inside that big fish? Now think for a minute. Do you know what else was inside the fish? A bunch of little fish. You know, many of them still alive and wriggling around. Yucky fish. Vile, smelly, wretch-inducing fish. And there's Jonah. And sometimes that's where we are. Sometimes God allows us to be in dark and smelly places. Places that that are often the the result of our own choices. Places we don't want to be. He takes us there or lets us go there until He has our full attention. And even inside the fish, Jonah's prayer was heard by God. I want you to take good note of it. We can pray anywhere, anytime, and God hears us. And don't ever think that your sin is so great or your predicament has gone so far or it's too difficult for God to hear you. For Him to hear your cries. And for Jonah, all of chapter 2 is a prayer of thanksgiving to God because at least least he's still alive. Now take a look at Jonah chapter 2, verse 8. I think Jonah's probably thinking about those heathen sailors back on the boat. And here's what he says. Here's what he says. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And it's at this point that Jonah is now ready to do what God wanted him to do in the first place. And by the way, I don't think that all of Jonah's prayers are recorded in chapter 2. I'm thinking that there had to be this, this one prayer where, where Jonah said, Dear God, please let me go out the same way I came in. Now think about that. Not, not for too long. But think about that, alright? So in verse 10, it says, The fish vomited him up onto dry land. Now it's bad enough having the stomach flu, but being the stomach flu... That's something else altogether. And here's Jonah. He's gasping for air. He's on the beach. He's dripping with goop. He stinks. 
And he hears now from God for the second time, second time, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message that I give you. That's verse 2, chapter 3. And the next two, two words, verse 3, tell it all. And Jonah obeyed. This time he obeys. You see, we serve the God of the second chance. And you may think that, that somehow, some way, you, you have outsinned the blood of Jesus Christ. Don't ever give in to that thought. You may think that, that somehow you have to prove yourself to God before He could possibly use you. Don't give in to that thought. You say, yeah, but, but you don't know what I... And I say, look at Jonah. God loves so much. Now think about the father of the prodigal son just waiting, longing, anticipating to give his son that second chance. And your heavenly father has plans for you that only require your willingness to be used by him and to trust his love and his grace. Now Jonah finally sets out for Nineveh. And I picture Jonah, I mean, his heart still isn't in this. But it's an obedience thing for Jonah. And I picture him kind of going along, muttering about it under his breath. You know, mutter, mutter, Nineveh, stinking fish and stinking people all over the place. Mutter, mutter. And that's Jonah as he's going, as he mutters along. And we'll pick up that on that in just a minute. Now Nineveh, to, to get from one end to the other, it could be as far as 30 miles when you include the suburbs and everything. So Jonah starts the message. And take a look in chapter 3. He's walking through that huge arch that goes into the city, and he gets through on the other side, walks in, looks around, and says, Oh boy, you know, 40 more days and Nineveh is going to be overturned. 40 more days and Nineveh is going to be overturned. And he keeps walking and yelling it out. And then the most amazing thing happens in verse 5. Look at verse 5. The Ninevites believed God. They believed. They declared a fast, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And then verse 6. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. And then go down to verse 10. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, I love this, he had compassion and did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. You know, God had a purpose for Jonah. And when Jonah finally followed through, the response was phenomenal. Hearts turned to God. Remorse and repentance were all over the place from the streets to the throne. They experienced God's grace. You know, often when we hear this story about Jonah, we think the miracle is this guy stayed alive in the belly of a huge fish for three days and came out on dry land. That, that's not the miracle. The miracle is what happened in Nineveh where, where their hearts were turned to God, where there was repentance and there was remorse when God's Word was declared. So do not try to second guess how God can use you. Not because of how great you are, but because He's great. It's amazing how He can use us if we respond. Now look at Jonah. Reluctant, imperfect in so many ways, but
But look at how God used him when Jonah finally responded to his promptings. Well, let's take a quick look at chapter 4. First four verses. And check out Jonah's attitude here. This is after, this is after Nineveh repented and turned their hearts to, to the Lord. Jonah is pouting. He's pouting. He's, he's dialoguing with God. It says, but Jonah was greatly displeased. And he became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Oh, Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God. He's just spitting out these words. Slow to anger and abounding in love. A God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Have you any right to be angry? In other words, God is saying, Jonah, I'm God, and you're not. If I want to forgive, I'll forgive. Now think about this. Jonah was used in a powerful way because of his obedience to God, even though his heart was not in it. For us, when we respond rapidly to God's promptings, it's so important to know that we are to obey. Feelings may or may not follow. But we're to obey. And here's, here's Jonah. I mean, he's the runaway. He's the fish food. He's the vomit. He's the prophet. He's absolutely ticked off that God did not wipe out the whole city. He wanted fireworks. He wanted to see destruction. He wanted to see vengeance. He wanted to see justice. He didn't want to see grace. He didn't want to see Nineveh get a second chance. He wanted to see them get what they deserve. And in the last verse of chapter 4, verse 11, God says, but Nineveh, Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city? Should I not have compassion on them? You know, Jonah got all kinds of second chances. The city of Nineveh got a second chance. You and I get second chances. But there may be people in your life, if you're honest, you don't want them to receive a second chance. Some you've chosen not to forgive. There's somebody that you've chosen instead to, to hold bitterness towards inside of you. It's not right. And you know it. You know it. Don't hold back from following God's promptings and and rapidly responding in love to those around you. There's a piece that I read from time to time. I don't know who wrote it. It's that famous writer, Anonymous. And it's been a tremendous positive motivator to me personally as it relates to to rapidly responding to God's promptings. Not not that I get it right all the time. I I, I do blow it. And I'm not standing here as somebody who got it all figured out, who has it all together. But maybe, maybe this morning this would be a help to you. This would be a positive motivator for you as well. It's called, You Forgot My Soul. You lived next door to me for years. We shared our dreams, our joys, and tears. A friend to me you were indeed. A friend who helped me when in need. My faith in you was strong and sure. We had such trust as should endure. No words 
between us ever arose. Our friends were alike, and so our foes. What sadness then, my, my friend, to find that after all, you weren't so kind. The day my life on earth did end, I, I found you weren't a faithful friend. For all those years we spent on earth, you never spoke of second birth. You never talked of my lost soul, of the Christ who could make me whole. I'm lost today eternally, and I tell you now my earnest plea. You cannot do a thing for me. No words today, my bonds will free. But do not err again, my friend. Do all you can for the souls of men. Plead with them now, quite earnestly, lest they be cast in hell with me. And friends, for me, that has just been a motivator. Not not a guilt producer, but a positive motivator to be sure that, that when God puts the promptings in front of me, whether it's a time... I need to ask Sue's forgiveness or I need to confess something where, where I've broken down in integrity that I take those steps and I follow the promptings. And as you enter a relationship with Jesus Christ and become His follower, God is going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you through Scripture, through a message, through a prompting, through a suggestion, through a conviction. And I believe that this morning... that the Holy Spirit has has spoken specifically to some of you. And you know who you are. And you know what it is. Maybe it's someone you need to forgive. Maybe it's a spouse or a child or a parent that you've got to talk to or a gift that you need to give or a note that you need to write. Maybe it's a work situation that needs a response of integrity. Or God's been prompting you to, to have a deep, deep concern for someone's salvation, for their eternal destiny. And He wants you to share the good news with them or, or simply to build a, a bridge with them, to open doors for that kind of sharing. But on the basis of, of what we've seen in God's Word, what we've seen in Jonah, I want to say to you, I want to implore you this morning, just act on it. Act on it. Don't Pull a Jonah. Don't wait. Act on it now. Act on it today. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians and he said, today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off tomorrow. Don't slide it off to tomorrow. Today is the day to act. And this week, as you go back to work, or as you go live with your family and friends, as you relate to your neighbors, Practice these three things. Recognize the promptings. Be alert. Respond immediately when you're prompted in confidence and obedience. And never forget, never, ever forget, you serve the God of the second chance. Amen? Would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Every Sunday we have some people of prayer over here in this corner by the organ. And I would be amiss if if I didn't say to you today, if God is prompting you, maybe today you're looking for those prompts, you're looking for that guidance. You need prayer to know the guidance. But, But it might be that God's been prompting you and you've just been filing it away. You've been letting it slide off you. Today He's raise that prompting up again. 
whatever area it might be. There are people down here who would love to just pray with you, help you cement in your heart what it is God is asking you to do and ask Him to give you the courage and the power and the peace to be able to follow through. So, if God's been nudging you, if He's been prompting you by His Spirit, just please come on down. Be waiting here. Just take a few moments and someone would be glad to lift you up before our Lord. Let's pray together. Father God, we come and we thank You for Your love, for Your kindness, for Your goodness, for the way You work with us. We're all individuals. We have our own personalities and experiences and we have our own quirks. We have our own habits and hang-ups. But You choose to do Your powerful work in our lives and You don't give up on us. Thank You for second chances. Thank You for Your grace. I just pray for each one of us today that You would do a powerful work in us of bringing to our awareness what we need to do and then empowering us, Lord, as we go forth to give us the resolve to be able to do it. We love you. And we just uh, surrender our lives, our hearts to you anew and afresh today. And we go forth um, to let our light shine, to make Jesus known in all our thoughts, words, and actions. We pray these things in, in His name, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.